Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 19. And uh, this morning, I just want to minister to you this message entitled, Master, Here's Your Mina. There you go. Thank you, my friend. Hallelujah. And uh, so we're going to read through this. And then uh, before we do that, I just want to give you a couple praise reports and uh, victories that we have. We got the report back from the Pregnancy Counseling Center this last week. And just through those baby bottles, we gave uh, $1,200 to the Pregnancy Counseling Center. Give the Lord a good praise. Amen. We fill up little baby bottles with chains, and, and, and we're able to bless them with $1,200. Yesterday, uh, they raised about $1,200 for the young people to go to camp. Give the Lord another good praise. Amen. Hallelujah. That's awesome. And then uh, we did the two days of rides on Friday and Saturday. And that I know of for sure, just riding like that, we led four people to the Lord while we were riding. And, and the reason that happened is comes out of connection. We're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning and uh, as we go through this. So Luke chapter 19 and beginning in verse 11. It says, excuse me. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. You know, every time I read that verse there, I have people who actually have said there's people who are actually out there and they're saying today and Bible teachers and different people who are saying if the Lord was going to come back, he would have come back by now. And so people set a time frame on what God's going to do. But it says right here that Jesus began to teach them because people thought or they had expectations. People set expectations on when they think God's going to do what they think he's supposed to do. Amen. And so Jesus is helping them with that. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and, he, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man reign over us. Somebody go back and do this. Just say, Do this. Say, say Do business till I come. The Bible says that we're supposed to be about the Lord's business. Amen. So God has business for us to be doing. Verse 15. So it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained. Somebody say gain. How much everybody had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you're faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina earned five minas. Likewise, he said to them, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away. Somebody say, put away. In a handkerchief, for I feared you because you're an austere man, and you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. 
For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have what he has will be taken away from him. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. Lord, I thank you that by your Spirit, you help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive all that you want to declare to us through your word in Jesus' name. And somebody said. Amen. I just want to read you this. This is my revival study Bible, but there's a, a little uh, uh, insert in here that deals with this and uh, in the time of uh, John Wesley. And it says, the early Methodist meeting were often led by lay preachers with very limited education. On one occasion, one such preacher preached this as his text. Not knowing the word austere, he thought that the text spoke of an oyster man. And so he spoke about the work of those who retrieve oysters from the seabed. He said the diver plunges down from the surface, cut off from his natural environment. In bone-chilling water, he gropes in the dark, cutting his hands on the sharp edges of the shell. Now he has the oyster. He kicks himself back up to the surface, up to the warmth and the light and air, clutching in his torn and bleeding hand the object of his search. So Christ descended from the glory of heaven into the squalor of the earth, into sinful human society, in order to retrieve humans and bring them back up with him to the true glory of heaven. His torn and bleeding hand, a sign of the value he placed on the object of his quest. That night, 12 men were converted to the Lord. But afterwards, someone complained to John Wesley about the inappropriateness of allowing preachers who were too ignorant to know the meaning of the text on which they were preaching. And Wesley simply replied, never mind, the Lord got a dozen oysters tonight. I love that. But so many times we think that we're not qualified to bring increase into the kingdom. That we don't have what it takes to add increase into the kingdom. So what we do is we take what God has given to us and we hide it. We try to keep it secure. We want to be faithful. We want to be shown trustworthy. So we're just holding on to what he's given us. But you need to know this. Your life and my life is meant to be governed by the law of sowing and reaping. Which is what Jesus said, you at least ought to sown it, you ought to deposit it. And so that law of sowing and reaping, our whole life is governed by that law of sowing and reaping. When we get into marriage, you're going to find out, as Sean was saying, he's given himself away into his marriage. And marriage is a harvest of what two people sow into it. If you're not sowing into it, you're not receiving any harvest and people get discouraged. But life is that way. Life is a harvest of what you sow, not what you receive. Everybody in our country is focused on receiving. We think all the people that come into our country illegally ought to receive something. No, but yeah, and we're asked to be so. Are you listening to me? And we're asked to be sowing. So we're getting everything turned around. We think receiving comes before sowing. It doesn't. You have to be a sower in order to be a receiver. And what the Lord was doing here, this is governed by that. And he's trying to get us to see we are called to be governed by that. So let me ask this question just before we dive into this and run through this. Was Jesus or the master looking for them to just be faithful with what he had given to them? The master leaving the other parable, he's leaving and he's putting something into their care. Was he just looking for them to be faithful with what they had? No, he was looking for them to produce increase. 
And when he came back, he wasn't just expecting to receive what he had entrusted them. He was expecting to receive it with inquiry. So he says, do business till I come. And so there's a power and a truth in here that we need to get a hold of. And you need to understand, God provides everything we need for increase. Look, he gave them what they needed to invest. They didn't have to provide it for themselves. You and I, we're going to see, God gives us, he equips us, he gifts us, he empowers us. He gives us everything we need to produce increase. We just have to push ourselves out into the place of doing business for the Lord. Can you say amen? And the best way to do that is through connections. We're going to find out this morning. So the key verse in this passage is this. Verse 20 said, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. And to me, that's that. Because the Lord, that, that didn't go over well, just being faithful and giving that back. Amen, as we read. So the Lord didn't respond to that well. I want you to hear this. The abundant life of Christ is not given to be held in safekeeping for his return, but invested, spent, used to its full potential. Write this down in your outline. Put at risk. Put at risk. You, you have to risk investment. Put at risk for reward being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we think a lot about that. If you ask people, are, are, are you led by the Spirit? Yes, I am. But if we really looked at the decisions and the choices we make, how much are we really being led by the Spirit? In our offering and our giving. Are you being led, Lord? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to give? Holy Spirit, show me what you want to do. In your serving and doing other things. Are we truly being led by the Spirit? And so if we are being led by the Spirit, we'll find our lives continually being put at risk. Connected to investment. Could you say amen? So get this. We were never meant to live a safe life for Christ. We were never meant to live a safe life for Christ. A life without risk is a life void of reward. All of life involves risk if it is truly being lived. If life is truly being lived, there has to be a risk. And we're going to deal with this in a little bit. Even when it comes into relationship, many people pull away from relationship because of the risk of being hurt. The risk of being used. The risk of being disappointed. Well, you can't live isolated. We were never intended to be isolated. You have to put at risk in order to receive the reward. Think about it. What do we risk? The risk of pain, failure, rejection, abandonment, rejection, and loss. Uh, uh, but to live life without the risk of life is to merely exist in a false shell of security, shrouded in fear, and to never experience the fullness that life has to offer to those who will brave the risk. There's a fullness of life that can only come if you're willing to risk the casualties. Amen? To risk the, everything that comes with that. See, once we've received him as our life, he lives in us to make us a living expression of himself. The will of God is that you would be a living expression of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thursday night, Dr. Savell preached a great message on the glory of God. And he just has been on a theme all year. And, and, and the Lord, he's just been praying, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And he said, well, yes, most people, what the glory is, they don't understand. Well, the glory is the manifest presence of God, the power of God, and the goodness of God upon your life. If you're living in the glory of God, then, then you're living in his presence. You're walking in his power, and you're experiencing his goodness. 
And when people see the glory of God upon their life, they're drawn to the presence of God, they're drawn to the power of God, and they're drawn to the goodness of God. Can you say amen? And so we have to be a people that desire that. But to live for the glory of God, you put yourself at risk. Because when you start living under the glory of God, people start criticizing you, people start ridiculing you, people will make fun of you. Amen? And so there's a risk to that. So you have to be willing to risk it in order to live for it or to be a living expression of Christ. See, Jesus lived his life at risk for us. I love that story about the oil. He went down. He was willing to get involved and risk everything for us for the reward of our redemption. Your redemption was worth the risk. Can I just say, Jesus had no guarantee that anybody would believe on him. Man is a free will moral agent. He had no guarantee. When he walked up to his disciples, they could have said yes or they could have said no. Man has a choice. Are you listening to me? So, he, so, so everything with him was a, to come as our Savior was a risk. But he risked it all for our redemption. Amen? That's so good. Think about it. John 10, look inside your outline. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come. <coughs> I have come that you might have life to its fullest. I have come so you might have life to its fullest. That's the will of God. That's what he came for us to do. To know, experience, live, and enjoy all that the original creator had in mind for you and designed in you. But it will, not, but it will involve some risk. To live the life that Jesus came for you to have, it will involve some risk. Can you say amen? So you have to be willing to be a risky person. You see, church and life in Christ is never intended to be a group of individuals living out their lives for him, shut away with themselves, and just holding on to their mina, waiting for his return. But we're supposed to be people living by putting all at risk through connection. Amen. That's the problem. See, it's risky to live for God, to actually read the Bible and do the Bible. Amen. And I kind of went, I wrote this out the other night just about being led by the Spirit. You know what? We all want to be led by the Spirit. But if we don't want to be in the Word, the first way to be led by the Spirit is to be a person of the Word. Because the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to do something that is contrary to what God has already revealed in His Word. So I begin by doing the Word. The first way to, to learn how to be led by the Spirit is say, Lord, I want to do your word. Show me your word. Reveal your word that I can walk in your word. Amen? And then he leads us through that. But we have to be people living by putting it all at risk through connection. And I, we're just going to focus in a little bit on that word connection here for the next few minutes. And I want you to think about that and, and just keep that in your mind. Look, at Jesus didn't allow his disciples to live like that in the beginning. And he's not about to allow us today to live with that false sense of safety, hiding shut up behind closed door and shrouded in fear. Go with me to John chapter 20 in your Bibles. In the Gospel of John... Chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, it says this. Then the same day at evening, this is the day of the resurrection, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews. Somebody say, for fear of the Jews. Fear. 
So here they are, the disciples. They've seen the Lord taken. They've seen him crucified. They, they've seen him, you know, buried and everything else. And, and, and now they're just in fear for their own lives. They're shut up in fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has what? Sent me. I also send you. Or in other words, he's saying you're not going to be allowed to stay here. You're going to have to get out. And he said this, and he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Amen. So look at your outline with me. So he's telling them, he is thrusting them out. In Luke 24 and verse 49, tells them that they were going to receive power, to be endued with power, not of their own, but God. Listen, he said, you go and tarry in Jerusalem till you are endued with power, and that power is going to enable you to be my witnesses. And that would thrust them out into the harvest field and embolden them to take the risk. Actually, if you read uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses the, the end of the chapter there, I forget the exact verse, but it says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust laborers out into the harvest field. That, that God would literally kind of just boot us out into the harvest. Can you say amen? Now, I'm just going to share with you how easy it is to be a harvester for the Lord. The problem is, is we are too self-focused instead of God-focused. We're focused on our inability, and Jesus, listen to what Jesus, he, he's not telling them, now go out, guys, and get over your strength, man up, do all. He, no, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So he, he places his spirit within us, we're alive with the Spirit of God, and then he pours the Spirit out upon us and endues us with power. We are completely equipped by God. Amen? To be able to take what he's given us, the meaning, the talent, the, 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 what he's laid in our hands to invest and to bring increase to his kingdom. You need to understand that today. The devil is the one who tells you you aren't able. The Lord is the one who tells you you're more than able. Amen? And so begin to live in that way. Now, I want you to hear this this morning. Because if we're just living, and today so many Christians are, are living. And hear, hear me right now. I, I know that California is a mess. But what a great place to witness. People want, people want to go into third world countries where the gospel's never been preached. California's turning into a, to a godless country. I mean, what a better place to preach the gospel. People all around. And so we found out, but what you find out is we were out just riding around. You find people are open to the gospel. There are people who receive it. Thursday, we, we had to stop. Do, uh, uh, Dr. Savell had a little mishap with his bike, and, and it fell over a little bit, and, and it messed up one of his lights. And so they had to get it replaced, so we stopped in Rockland at the Harley shop. And there's this poor guy there, and, and I started talking to him. His name was Mike. And the next thing you know, he's bought this Harley last year, and he never had it. It's his first bike. He bought it, and he's riding it. But it's been a lemon. It's had all kinds of problems and stuff. So he's telling me his whole story. And then he get all done. I said, Mike, I'm just curious. Do you know Lord Jesus as your Savior? He says, well, I have a friend who's telling me about him. I said, praise God. He goes, yeah, and he takes me down to Bayside, so I go with him. I said, pray God, can I just pray for you? And you know, right there, that gentleman let me pray for him right there on the spot. 
Amen. And so people will let you pray for them. As, and, and then we went inside, and the next thing you know, the, the guys from Chariots of Life, they're walking around. They led two people to the Lord inside the store. Amen. And, and, and it comes out of connection because what happened, now I want you to see this, out of connection, we rolled up on between uh, the, fr Thursday or Friday, we had about 35 or 40 motorcycles riding. So when you ride on in like that, in connection like that, it gets attention. And then people say, what are you doing? What's going on there? And so then that just opened the door for us to begin to talk to them. And that's how I began to talk to that Mike about his bike. And so, what are you guys doing, doing this? And we just start talking to him. And that opens the door. But connection brought that. If one person rides up on the bike, how many know there's not that much attention? But when more than one get connected together, are you listening to me? When more than one risk getting connected together. How many know it's a lot easier to ride a motorcycle by yourself than it is to ride with 40 other guys? It, it take, there, there's a lot of, so to be in connection, you ride slower, you have to ride careful, you have to be more aware. It's a lot easier just to get out and go by yourself and have the wind in your face, not worry about who's around you, worrying about anything else. Amen? Everything about life is easier by yourself, but it's not productive. Not productive. And so there has to be that connection. So there we are, and we're leading people to the Lord. When we were getting gas in Pollock Pines yesterday, this gentleman was talking to one of these guys, and, and uh, the elderly couple, and they have a boat, and they were getting ready to go up the hill towards Tahoe, I guess the Echo uh, Lake up there and stuff. They had a cabin up there. And so as they were getting ready to leave, I just grabbed his hand. I said, praise the Lord. I said, has anybody ever told you that God loved you so much? He gave his only son that if you believe in him, we're not perish. And he's trying to pull away, and I'm holding on. He goes, Pe yeah, yes, yes, people have told me that. People have told me that. And so he didn't want to hear it, but I'm saying, well, I pray you get it in Jesus' name. He goes, okay, thank you. Amen. And so some people you can pray for, but other people you're just going to sell. But listen to what he's saying. He says, no, I've heard it, and I don't want to receive it. But that's the other side of the gospel. Don't be afraid. See, somewhere, sometimes you're going to be rejected. Sometimes it's going to be accepted. But we're called just to look for increase. Not every, not, not every investment produces a return. But you have to keep investing. Can you say Amen. You have to risk that and keep investing. So the Lord was thrusting them out. Acts 2, verses 1 through 14, something amazing happens at Pentecost. They were no longer hiding, shrouded in fear. They are now emboldened with something from on high. God has kept his promise and come to them in them and is now flowing through them. There is no longer the fear of the risk. Nobody's hiding. Peter's standing up and they're boldly proclaiming the gospel. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. Are you doing all right? Yeah. Acts chapter 6. Watch this. And beginning verse 1. Now in those days when the numbers of the disciples was multiplying. Somebody say multiplying. So they're connecting and that connection is increasing. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Amen. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, 
Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And look, and then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So connection comes, multiplication has come, but trouble and conflict and issues arising up, but they say, hey, we can deal with this. So they get a group, they solve it, and because they didn't disperse, because they didn't fall out over it, can you say amen? They stayed connected through the process, and as a result, multiplication was added. More connection was made. Are you getting this this morning? You know, I want you to hear this, and I don't even know if I'll get time to get through all of this this morning, but I want you to see this. Uh, I, I love this little devotional because uh, yesterday, and uh, I've been working on this message through the week, and then as I read yesterday's devotional, it was talking about God having a dream, uh, about Joseph and a dream, and the thoughts of dreamers, but, but it says uh, in, in, at the very end of it, if you move with God, you will be critiqued. The only way to avoid criticism is to do nothing and be nothing. And so, well, I don't want to be criticized. I don't want people to think bad of me. Well, just go hide yourself in the upper room. Shut yourself in. Shroud yourself in your fears. Wrap yourself up in your handkerchief of fear. And do nothing. Amen? But we have to push ourselves out. It says dreamers are overcomers. Joseph's dream enabled him to overcome temptation at the hands of Potiphar's wife, betrayal of his, by his family, false imprisonment, a lot of other things that cause us to quit. God's purpose alone should be the stuff of which your dream is made of. To discover your dream, get to know yourself, your strengths and weaknesses. Observe where God has placed you. Seek his counsel and look for opportunities and kingdom connection. I'm reading you for that. Look for opportunities and kingdom connection. When you do, he will give you a dream for your life and help you fulfill it. If you don't have the devotional, get it and read Saturday's devotion. Now, I'm sharing this because yesterday... Uh, I, I, I'd asked Ronnie and Lisa to come, Ronnie Horton and Lisa Day, to come and do music for us. And so I was just praying through the week, and we were getting everything organized. It was a crazy busy week, doing a lot of stuff. And then I'm thinking, man, we need to maybe do something, some music or something. We just, that, that part of we just left out of the mix. I said, I'm just going to call Ronnie and see if he's available. I just love his heart and everything. And so I called him up and said, hey, Ronnie, I want you to come. You can bring Lisa if you want, but I really want you to come. Amen. Because when he sang at Christmas and, and he sang the song that he wrote, that's what you do about the Lord and God's restoration. It was so powerful. And he has an amazing anointing on his heart. And, and so he goes, you know what? We're, we're free. I think we're free. Let me check with Lisa. We have an engagement Saturday afternoon and we have to go do a sound check because they're, they're doing service today at a church in Elk Grove. So we have to do that. So the, coming to be with us wasn't on their calendar, wasn't on the radar. I'm calling them. I'm in interrupting their schedule I'm interjecting something into their plan that they were not planning on and they could have said no you know what we would but that's going to make us too tight when do you need us there what for and so we already have a plan and we won't be able to make that and they could have said no because they already had something on their calendar 
But Ronnie said, you know what? If we can make it work, we'll be there. And so because they said, yeah, we had an amazing time yesterday. God showed up. The anointing of God was there. Ronnie played that song. Dr. Savelle, Billy, Bill Horn, everybody at our table, he's just giving his testimony. We're crying before he starts singing. And, I mean, the anointing of God just fell in that place, and God used him mightily. At the end of the service, Dr. Savell came up and booked them for three days to go to Texas in September at the Chariots of Light motorcycle rally, a huge rally that they'll have in Texas, because they were willing, because of connection and relationship, they were willing to have their schedule interrupted. They were willing to do something that they hadn't planned. Are you listening to me? And so through that connection, and then Pastor Doug and Janice scheduled them to, I said, we had them for a Christmas program. Janice said, we want to book you for a Christmas concert this year. So because they were unwilling, I want you to hear it, kingdom connection. You look for opportunities in kingdom connection, but they come at inopportune time. And so you have to be willing to risk messing up your schedule, messing up your plan. God is doing his purpose. He doesn't care about your calendar. He's trying to get you connected to people. And I guarantee you, because they said yes, and because they go there, there were other pastors in that room, and there'll be other connections. When they go to that rally in Dallas-Fort Worth in September, God's going to explode on the door because God has done it. Are you listening to me? But then we said, well, I don't know why the Lord doesn't show up because you won't get out of your upper room. You, uh, somebody asked you to, well, let me check my calendar. If I have anything on today, I'm not going to add anything. I'm way too busy. And you, oh. And then you look at, well, how did they get blessed? How did they do that? How did that happen to them? Well, they're a little more flexible than you are. Amen. Some of you need a Holy Ghost enema. Amen. You are bound up. Glory to God. It's a good thing my wife's not in this service. I'd be in trouble already. Amen. So watch this. Look at your outline. Connection in the body of Christ. Connection in the body of Christ is just for that. The body of Christ is for connection. You are for connection. You know what everybody's doing? Everybody's living their individual Christian life. You watch people come in church, go out, come in, go out, come in, go out, come in, go out. Connection is the purpose of the body. See, we need each other. We need to be connected to one another for a variety of reasons and purpose. Life groups form the first step to connection and work to maintain a healthy connection within the body. People say, well, pastor, why are we shifting? Why have we quit Tuesday night? Why are we doing this? How come you're upsetting our apple cart? Because your apple cart needs to be upset. We get in routine, but life groups, getting in a group, connecting with people. Right now, you're looking at the back of somebody's head. You can't have a conversation with the back of their head. If they start talking to you out of the back of their head, get out. <laughs> Amen. But you, 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 we, we can assemble, we can organize in rows, but you build relationship in circles. In a life group, we get together and we can connect. That's why it says they were daily in the temple and house to house. Well, then I'd have to change my schedule. Who cares? Put something valuable in your schedule. If there's nothing in your schedule connecting you to other believers, look, through connection, we led four people to the Lord. Through connection, somebody, God, opened new doors in somebody's life for the dream that's in their heart. Are you listening to me?
you have the same principle applies to you. <coughs> we need each other. And we need healthy relationship. So what happens through connection? First, there comes awareness. Being aware of the needs within the body of Christ is a part of our connection. You see, connection produces awareness. Being aware of when someone is missing and reaching out in love to offer strength, encouragement, and support. Investing. Being aware of the needs within our family, our church family, allows us to render love and support in many different levels. Secondly, resource happens. Because connection produces awareness, we can then move to utilize the resources we have through connection to render aid and assistance to one another in love. Sometimes the greatest resource we have is just caring for one another. Could you say amen? Sometimes just knowing people care, just to call. They don't have to always bring me a meal. They don't always have to come and do something. But just calling, the connection of awareness and calling and loving. And because we are connected and aware, we are able to do just that. Thirdly, encouragement is the natural byproduct of connection, awareness, and resource. Everyone is encouraged. When they know they are not alone, but are connected to a loving community that truly wants to be aware of the needs in their life so they can come together with the resources of community rendering aid and assistance through love. Can you say amen? But then, but there's always going to be people who just think you ought to do everything for them. There's always going to be needy people. Let me put you like this. I'll say this in first service. You guys are more mature. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said this, the poor are always with you. There's always, you, you could give poor, some poor people, you could give them a million dollars in three years, they'd ask you for more money. Because they have a mentality for poverty, not for increase. And so until people renew their mind, they're always going to be, they're going to see themselves as needy as wanting other people. Are. They're, they're not going to be a sower, they're going to be a consumer. But the real, you, you have to move into being a sower and a giver. Amen? You see, the only problem is the risk we must take. Risk of problems, conflicts, contentions, challenges, and every other risk that comes with connection. But without connection and risk, there is no reward of investment. Without connection and risk, there is no reward of investment. Wow, think about that. I was going to read another one, but I'll let that go. Praise the Lord. I'm out of time. See, many today avoid connection because of all the risk factors and the pain they experienced in the past. All I can tell you is God is bigger. Somebody say, God is bigger than your pain. And He is more than able to heal any wound you may have. You know, Friday's devotional was about not judging your parents. Stop complaining about your parents. It was really good. Because no parent, every parent's just trying to do the best they have. And depending upon what happened to your parents and what happened to their parents and what gets handed down generationally, parents have to rise up in each generation and say, wait a minute, I need, I, I need to not let what was sowed into me come out of me. If it wasn't good, and so we have to process through all that and deal with everything and stuff. And so it was just this, because, and it just talked about, 
and, and really what it was about complaining, when your children see you extending grace towards your parents, they'll be better able to extend it towards you. So if you need to forgive your parents, do it today and move on. Don't keep bringing it up. Would you like God to keep bringing, reminding you of all the sins he's forgiven you of? No. So we, we just, in that same way, come on, keep sowing that, keep giving that. And maybe you're here today and maybe relationships have had problems and the risk of being engaged about her. Let God heal you today. Amen? See, without connection, we will never experience the awareness of what we have to offer those around us to aid and assist them through Christ. Resources go unused. Needs remain unmet. Lives will be unchanged and unencouraged. It's so important. Without connection, we never experience the awareness of what we have to offer those around us. Every one of you in this room has something to offer the people around you. But if we don't risk it, then resources will remain unused, needs unmet, lives unchanged, and unencouraged. You see, the safest place to live is in the upper room of our fears. Bill, if you'll come back. And away from the crowds and risk. <clears throat> Excuse me, waiting for the day when we can offer back to the Lord our personal gift of life, which we received from Him, and which we kept shrouded in the handkerchief of our fears. Remember what the Lord said? That the man came back, here's your mina, and, and he kept it shrouded up in his handkerchief. Rolled up for fear, for fear of losing it. The Lord doesn't want us just to give us back, to show up. Say, well, Lord, I kept my life, I'm here. The Lord didn't save you just for you to go to heaven. It's not just about you getting to heaven. He saved you and he put kingdom increase on the inside of you. We need to kick open the door, be filled with the promise of heaven, break free from the fear through the power he has given us and risk it all for the glory of God. See, there is the potential of, for increase in your life, but it will take the risk that begins with trusting God and stepping outside of the upper room. Every one of us has an upper room. We have a place where we go, a place where we retreat, things that happen in life, and you see people all the time sucking back, pulling back into areas. We need to make sure that we don't do that. We need to keep ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to push us out. So there's potential for increase outside of the upper room. You need to ask yourself, this is the question I have for you. What's in you? What is in you? Everybody look up here just for a moment. The Lord knows what he has put in you. The Lord knows exactly what he's put in you. Amen. I'm amazed that God has used me. You want to know how I became a pastor? I just said yes to God. How do you find out what's in you? You have to have a yes. You have to have some. And, and the yes comes with a risk. It comes with the risk of having to say no to other things. So I got to say no to some stuff. I got to let go of some stuff. Just like I said, look, Ronnie and Lisa was so, I can't believe how this all tied in to what I was putting this message together. It happened. And Lisa's texting me last night about 10 o'clock. You won't believe this. Dr. Savell invited us to come to Dallas for our work. Janice and Dan connected us, and connection came. And I was giving Doug and Janice a bad time because I was teasing Lisa because I said, Ronnie, if you want to come and bring your backup singer, that's awesome. 
Amen. And so I introduced him. This is Ronnie Horton. He's got this good-looking backup singer with him today, Lisa Dagg. And she's the one that got the number one hit on the country charts of, of well-worn. And, uh, so I got the number one country artist backing up him and stuff like that. So it was awesome. Amen. So anyway, through all that, but it, uh, God is so awesome. Can you say amen? He's so awesome. And so then Janice is sticking up for Lisa. Go, you can't say that. She's Lisa Dad. She's the art. I said, you need to back off. You won't even, you're sticking up for her and you won't even invite her to your church. So I got her booked at Abundant Life. Amen. Amen. So watch this. What's in you? What does it take to start a life group, a connection group? Maybe a life group. All you got to do is open your home. Well, what would I do? How could I lead? I don't think I could lead. You can do more than what you think. You can do it. There's more in you. What's in you? What is in you? You won't find out until you risk something. Connecting. Building the body of Christ. Any ministry that would touch a need in our community or anything else that would take the risk of connection to see the glory of God. See, to multiply the mina He has given you, you will require the risk. You will require the risk <clears throat> so that you end your life with something to offer back to God. As you got to the chapter 19, the Lord, the Master, the illustration is of Jesus calling those that He's given provision to to bring increase into His kingdom. He's given us stewardship. You are stewards. You have stewardship before God. And the day will come when God will. Paul said it like this to the church at Corinth. He says, every man will stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the works done in his body. For, the, for what we've done, how we've worked for the Lord. Give an account. And to get there. And yeah, you can get to heaven and get saved. But the Bible said, I don't, I don't know about you, I don't, want, I don't want to get to heaven and have to go through fire. I don't want to get to heaven and just have wood, hay, and stubble. Are you listening to me? Because the Bible says we get there and, and, we're, and we're judged by fire and only the precious jewels and stones, only the precious gift make it through. And there's reward connected to that. A king, an eternal, listen, an eternal reward with the Lord. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I know anything God has is good. Amen? If, if I have the opportunity to get a reward when I get there to have something to offer, I don't mean to have to be perfect. I just got to work. Have something to, I want to lift somebody out. I hold somebody. Lord, I, I, at least I risk. At least I risk. I put it at risk. Listen to what Jesus said. You, 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 listen, Jesus made it so. If you just would have put it in the bank to gain simple interest. You didn't have to multiply it ten times. Just bring some increase back from what I gave. Are you listening to me? And so that we could offer, Lord, here's my life, but here also is increase. Thank you for my life. And I did my best to bring increase to what you trusted me with. Amen? Dr. Savell said this the other night, Thursday night, and, and it tied right into what I was doing. And so I stuck it in here, and, and I, I, he brought it up. He said, ask not, John Kennedy said this, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Anybody remember that? Most of us in here are old enough to remember that. But watch this. If we're always asking, what can God do for me? We are such a me society. People think, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't get involved. You're conditioned by the world in every way you think. And so what can God do for me? 
If we're always asking, what can God do for me? We will always be wanting and discouraged. When we begin to ask, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? We will experience his provision to do. Now, I want you to hear me. God doesn't give us provision for any other reason except to do his will. He gave us his mina. He gave us a Holy Ghost. Everything he gives us is to do. If you don't want to do, he's not going to release the provision. But look in your outline. Watch it. We experience revealing to do. God releases the provision of heaven for the increase of his kingdom. And we are blessed with the abundance that is left over, which is always more than what we had when we began. Well, this is all I have. How could I risk investing this? This is all the time I have. How can I risk investing this? Whatever the risk is that keeps you from doing, that God, I'm going to risk it all and invest for connection, for purpose, for increase. There will always be more than enough left over. I close with this. Kingdom increase is always measured in souls. Kingdom increase is always measured in souls. And I don't care what anybody says. I'll argue with anybody. In fact, I don't even have to argue. It's a scriptural point. Well, I do this. I do that. I do that. Have you won a soul? One soul to the Lord. The only thing leaving this earth. The only thing leaving this earth and going to heaven is the souls that Jesus died to redeem. There has to be, to be a man or a person or a woman of increase, there has to be souls connected to your life. You must be a soul winner. Must be. God, the only thing you can give Him, He will not care how much money you made. He will not care how nice your house was. He will not care how much you believe for His prosperity if it didn't produce a soul. Are you with me? He cares about souls, people. Jesus died for people. The only thing God cares about is people. And we have to have that heart. And I found when you start loving people, it's amazing. If you just love people. You know what? People are always going to hurt you. People are always going to disappoint you. If you I, I make more mistakes in a week than most of you make in a lifetime. I make more, I'm a professional upsetter of people. I'll miss that and do all that stuff, but that's all right. I don't quit. I'm trying to get better. Are you listening to me? And, and we all do that. But we get so frustrated by our expectation of everybody else. And so what do we do? We pull back into our little upper room and we do our own little private Christianity. I'm preaching really good this morning. Amen. But God's trying to thrust you out. God's trying to thrust you out into the harvest field. And there's somebody right outside your door. There's somebody in the supermarket. There's somebody in the store. There's somebody at the gas station. There's somebody where you will go today. And if you just let the Holy Spirit lead you to make connection with somebody. And to open up. Well, you get hurt, absolutely. I've been hurt. I, I mean, I like what Dr. Savell said. He said, you have to talk people into winning. You have to convince people to win. Because people want to quit because they get discouraged. You have to talk people into not quitting. And he shared the story about his dad being sick Thursday night. 
his dad went in the hospital and they called him and he said and he was in, in Africa and he came back and then his dad was in the hospital in Florida and so he flew down to the hospital went in and walked in the hospital room and he said dad I just want to know whatever you want I'll agree with you but I don't believe it's God's time for you to die and he said I, I just preached to him for about 15 minutes he said but whatever you want I believe it's the will of God for, for you to live and not die but I'll agree with you whatever you want I'll, I'll get into agreement with you. I'll pray with you in agreement for whatever you want his dad said, I want to live. He prayed and said, we walked out the next morning out of that hospital. They said, Dad, we're going to live. They walked out. And he lived 15 more years. But he said, I had to talk my dad into winning. And so it's so easy to get discouraged. Well, I've been fighting this a long time. I'm just going to give up. It's not worth it. And you have to purpose. I refuse to quit. Quitting is not an option. And too easily, the devil has gotten Christians to quit. Some of you in this room, you've quit because you've been discouraged. Some of you in this room have people that you know that have been in church, that have been in connection, and have been discouraged because that connection went wrong. People did stupid stuff, so they don't want to risk connection anymore. So they're home in their upper room, shrouded in their fear of being hurt again. They won't produce anything. Somebody else say, amen. I'm preaching really good this morning. Amen. If you need anything hurt or if there's anything keeping you from the harvest field this morning, come up here right now. We're going to break that thing in Jesus' name.